Amen. We're going to be in the book of Matthew chapter 17. I'm going to back up to verse 28 of Mark 16. And the reason I am is because Mark chapter 9 and Luke chapter 9 takes in this verse in this account. And so verse 28 goes with the account of the Mount Transfiguration. Mount Transfiguration is found in the Synoptic Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, and Luke, recorded in all three, here in Matthew 17, then in Mark chapter 9, and again in Luke chapter 9. This is an incredible, momentous thing that Jesus Christ did for his disciples. And he wants to do these things for us as well. And so, just in reverence to the word of the Lord, let's stand for the reading of God's word. I'm going to back up to verse 28 of Matthew 16 and go down through chapter 17 to verse 13. And after six days, Jesus take it back up to verse 28. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in the kingdom. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. Behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias, that it would be Elijah, talking with Jesus. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and be not afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then, say the scribes, Elias must first come? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly first shall come, shall first come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias is come already. And they knew him not. But they have done unto him whatsoever they listeneth. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he had spake unto them of John the Baptist. I want to use for a subject this morning a shift on the mountaintop. A shaking, a shift on the mountaintop, you may be seated. Almost all 
Bible scholars and commentators believe that this mountain was located at Mount Tabor, but I disagree. And there's a couple of reasons why I disagree that it was not at Mount Tabor. Number one, Jesus in the 16th chapter, closing out the chapter, he was at Caesarea Philippi. Mount Hermon, the highest mountain in that region, was there. And so I believe that Jesus went up on Mount Hermon with his disciples. Tabor also, according to Joseph the historian, stated that there was a castle on top of Tabor. There was a fortress there. And it's highly unlikely that Jesus would go up to that mountain in Tabor. It's more likely that he went up to Mount Hermon, highest place in Israel, the mountaintop of Hermon. In fact, it gathers snow, and snow remains there much of the year because of the 9,000 feet and more altitude. Now, I said all that to explain some things to you because it says in verse 28 that Jesus said, there'll be some standing here which shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. He was talking to his 12 disciples. And he said, there'll be some standing here that will not see death, will not taste death until they see the Son of Man, the Son of God coming in great glory. Now, we know that Jesus Christ, when he got ready to go up on the mountain, he took Peter, James, and John. I think when he got ready to go, he looked around and said, okay, you, you, and you go with me. You will not stay out of trouble. So he took Peter, who was always putting his foot in his mouth, the hot-headed Peter, and he took James and John, the sons of thunder, with him up on the mountain to keep an eye on those three. They were the ones that saw Jesus transfigured before them. They were the ones that saw what Jesus is talking about in verse 28 as he comes, as his kingdom rises in great splendor. They saw that. Peter, James, and John saw it. Not only did Peter, James, and John see it, but John also saw it again in the book of Revelation. John saw Jesus in his glorious splendor. But there were nine disciples that died without seeing what happened on Mount Transfiguration. They saw the resurrected Son of God in his resurrected body, but they did not see Jesus in his glory before the world was, in his glory that he had with his father before he came to earth. And what they saw on Mount Hermon was the glory of Jesus that he had before he came to planet earth, the glory that he had with his father. And so Jesus goes up on the mountain, and he takes Peter, James, and John with him up into the mountain because he's going to keep an eye on Peter, James, and John. And, and James is going to be the first apostle martyred. I think that was a gift that, that um, Jesus gave to James because he knew that he was going to die early. And I think that was a gift he gave to James. Peter speaks of it in 2 Peter chapter 1. 
the encounter he had on Mount Transfiguration. We'll go to that in just a little bit. John, however, lives to be the oldest apostle. And I believe a lot of people think that the book of Revelation was written last. It was not. The last book in your canon that was written was the Gospel of John. Jesus let John live to be very old. We know that Titus, the Roman emperor, actually he was Domitia, the emperor of Rome, he took John and boiled him in hot oil and put him on the Isle of Patmos. And on the Isle of Patmos is where John the Revelator saw the revelation of Jesus Christ. When this emperor put John in a vat of boiling oil, that was an apostle deep fried. But he came out juicy and oily of the Holy Ghost. The devil may take some of you and deep fry you in persecution and in bitterness and sorrow. You may feel like you've been deep fried in discouragement or hardship or things going wrong. You feel like your life has been fried, deep fried. But you'll come out juicy, plump, and lubed with the Holy Ghost. That sounds good. Juicy, plump, and lubed with the Holy Ghost. Now, when Jesus took these three with him on the mountain, he went up there to pray. Jesus went to the top of the mountain to pray. Now, in Luke chapter 9, I'll read to you verse 28, and it came to pass about the eighth days after these sayings, he took Peter, John, and James and went up into a mountain to pray. So he went up to pray. Now, someone might notice in Matthew and in Mark chapter 9, it says after six days. But then you've got Luke that comes around and says, well, it was about after eight days. You say, is that a discrepancy in the Word of God? No, sir. The Hebrews, when they were going to say around a week, they would say around about eight days because of the eight-day Passover that many times would merge together. So they would refer to a week as around the eighth day. So that's what Luke's talking about. Matthew and Mark, pegs it and pinpoints it to six days after. Six days after Peter is given the revelation, Jesus, you are the Christ, the living Son of God. Six days after Jesus Christ said to Peter and the disciples, there'll be some of you standing here that will not taste death until you see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Six days after Jesus had told them over and over again, I'm going to be killed, but I'm going to raise again from the dead the third day. And all they heard was the bad. All the apostles, all they heard was, I'm going to be killed. That's all they heard Jesus say. I'm going to die. I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be killed. That's all they heard. 
They didn't hear Jesus Christ say, and the third day rise again from the dead. They didn't hear, I will rise again from the dead. And there's so many people in the world today, and even in the church, all they hear is the negative. All they hear is the bad stuff, and they don't hear the good stuff. And when we come to church, we ought to be hearing not only the bad stuff that Jesus Christ corrects and seals and blesses, but we ought to be hearing the good stuff, that Jesus Christ is the sovereign God of the universe, that he died, he, he was buried, and he rose again from the dead. Amen. And so Jesus is going to take them up on the mountain to give them a lesson. Now, the Bible says in Luke chapter 28 that on in that chapter says that the, Peter, James, and John went to sleep. They were sleeping on the mountain while Jesus was praying. We know in the Garden of Gethsemane, the disciples were sleeping. Peter, James, and John were sleeping again in the valley, in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, and they fell asleep again. Contrary to what you might think, Jesus did not preach long, long sermons putting people to sleep, but he had long, long prayer meetings. Jesus had long prayer meetings. Short sermons, long prayer meetings. And the long prayer meetings caused the, the apostles to fall asleep. Well, while they're sleeping, God touches down on the mountain. There is, there on that mountain, there is a, there is a shift on the mountaintop. Something changes. Something clicks in the midst of that darkness. Something changes in the midst of Jesus praying. Something happens. In the sleeping saints, the apostles, something happens suddenly. Heaven triggers in the heart of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ overwhelms his flesh. The real Jesus Christ overwhelms the veil of flesh. And he radiates out of the veil of flesh the sovereign, lit-up Son of God. It's called the transfiguration. Now, that woke up Peter, James, and John. Amen. I said, that woke up Peter, James, and John. And that ought to wake us up too. Now, I'm going to break this down into three little thoughts in this message about the Mount Transfiguration, number one, the change of Jesus, the dramatic change that took place in Jesus. Number two, the presence of Moses and Elijah. And number three, the voice from, a bright, from the bright cloud of glory. The change of Jesus, the presence of Moses and Elijah, and the voice of the bright cloud coming, that voice coming out of the bright cloud as it overshadowed them. Now, the change of Jesus. Jesus Christ has told his apostles, you don't get it, you don't get it, you don't get it. I must suffer, I must die, I must be put to death, I must be crucified, I must be killed, but I'm going to overcome, I'm going to raise again from the dead. They didn't get it, they didn't get it. So Jesus goes up on the mountaintop and he's praying that they, Peter, James, and John, would get it. 
And so Jesus goes on the mountaintop and he changes so that they get it that Jesus Christ is going to die and raise again from the grave. I, I'm telling my age right now, but I remember, how many remember the old Superman? The old Superman. And the old Superman, you know, he would have his uniform under his shirt and he'd pull it back and there'd be this big super S. I never could figure out how he could go in a little tiny phone booth and change and come out. And then they got rid of the phone booths and I thought, now what are they going to do? And so Superman spins around and he turns into his Superman cape and a Superman suit. Then he goes up in the air, and as he goes up in the air, all of a sudden he drops his suit coat. He drops his trousers. He drops his clothes, and he flies into the heavens. My question is, where did his clothes go? And how did he get it back? I want to share something with you. What if, you know, Superman, he had his buddy named Jimmy Olsen and Lois Lane. And he kept a secret from them, wouldn't let them know that he was Superman. And let's say someone breaks into the um, uh, place where Superman and, and uh, Jimmy Olsen is and Lois Lane into the... Uh, planet, what do they call it, the newspaper planet, whatever it was, Metropolis Planet or something, and they, and they break in with machine guns and knives, and they say, we're going to kill Clark Kent. We're going to take him out. We're going to skin him alive. We're going to beat him. We're going to kill him. We're going to shoot him. And Jimmy and Lois is just beside themselves. Kent's going to be tortured and beaten and killed. He's going to die. They're going to kill him. But what if Clark Kent, Superman, walks over to him and says, and pulls back his shirt and says, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to make it because I have super strength. That's what Jesus was doing on Mount Transfiguration. He was pulling back his flesh and showing his strength disciples, apostles, that I'm going to die on the cross, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to be beaten, and I'm going to die, but I'm going to come through it because I'm God. I have super strength. I will overcome. And that's what Jesus Christ was doing in his change. He was changed. The Bible says his face got brighter than the sun. The Bible doesn't say his garments were taken away. It just said they were overcome by the brightness. More brightness, more whiteness than the sun could ever penetrate. He was transformed before his apostles, Peter, James, and John. I often thought how that light must have penetrated Israel from Mount Hermon, how that must have just lit up the sky. For we know in Revelation the city will have no need of the moon or the sun, 
for the Lamb will be the light of that city thereof. So we, we know that that light lit up the heavens and lit up earth and lit up Jerusalem as Jesus was transformed into his original state, the glory he had with his Father. And so Jesus is there. He's transformed. And Peter, James, and John wake up. And Peter does what he knows best. He talks. He's got to say something. The Scripture kind of indicates he didn't know what to say, but he was going to say something. I know some folks like that. They don't know what to say, but they're going to say something. I know some church folks like that. They don't know what to say, but they're going to say something. And Peter says, Lord, it's good for us to be here. You know, right there is when I said, amen, Peter. It's good to be here. Right there is where John and James would say, amen, Peter. You're preaching it. It is good for us to be here. But it was at the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. And so Peter said, you know what? When he woke up and saw Jesus shining, there was Moses and Elijah with him. Moses, and, and you say, well, how did Peter know who Moses and Elijah was? Moses died thousands of years prior, and uh, Elijah had been dead 800 years prior. How did Peter know, how did Peter, James, and John know that it was Elijah and Moses, the prophet? It wasn't because they had name tags. It wasn't because Jesus said, Peter, let me introduce you to Moses. And let me introduce you to Elijah. And people ask sometimes, will we know each other when we get to heaven? In the words of Charles Spurgeon, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, in his words, when we get to heaven, we're not going to be dumber than what we are down here. Yes, we will know each other. And so Peter says, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let us build three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Elijah, and one for Moses. He had his focus on the tabernacle, the Feast of Tabernacles. Jesus, it's now you're going to take over. And the Bible says that in Luke 9, chapter 9, the Bible says that when Moses met up, verse 31, when in Luke chapter 9, verse 31, when, when Moses and Elijah came to Jesus in his glorification, in his transfiguration, they, Moses and Elijah were discussing with Jesus his death. They were talking about his decease, his crucifixion in Jerusalem. That's what they were talking about. And so, when Moses is there and we look at the presence of Moses and Elijah. I believe Jesus Christ was basically saying something like this. Well, you see Moses. Moses was buried, hidden in a grave by God the Father. And he's saying to his disciples like Moses, I'm going through the grave to the other side. And because of my power, like Elijah, some of you 
will never go to the grave because I will empty the graves by my power. And Elijah went up. The Bible says when Elijah went up, the two worlds, there was a cleaving apart. There was a departure when Elijah went up. Uh, horses of fire, chariots of fire, a whirlwind, and, and Elijah went up. Well, when Jesus Christ went up, he wrapped himself in a cloud, and the two worlds were severed, and Jesus went into the heaven and, and left his apostles in this world. When I look at this, I, I, I think about how amazing the Scriptures are, how Jesus Christ gives them a glimpse of his glorification. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16 through 18, it says, Peter says, We have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power of the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is not made up, folks, Peter's saying, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him, the voice spoke concerning Jesus from his excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. That was a life-changing thing for Peter. That was something that changed his life. And Peter, while he's speaking, the Bible says a cloud comes. A cloud, a bright cloud comes and overshadows them. While Peter's speaking, good, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let us build three tabernacles, one for Jesus, one for uh, you, Lord, one for Elijah, one for Moses. And about that time, God sends a bright cloud. The Father overwhelms them with a bright cloud and says to Peter and the other two, although they couldn't get in a word edgewise, I'm sure, God says to Peter, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. Listen to him. And when the cloud lifted, there was no one but Jesus left. Moses didn't matter. Elijah didn't matter. The prophets of old don't matter. The patriarchs of the past don't matter. Nothing matters except Jesus Christ he is the Savior of the world. He is the God of the universe. He is our Lord. And I want to say this real quickly. The devil will overshadow you with a dark cloud. The devil will come upon you with a dark cloud of fear, a dark cloud of depression. The devil will come upon you with a dark cloud of terror and agony and pain and, and hopelessness. But God, when he comes, he comes in bright clouds. God comes in the bright clouds of glory and he will overshadow you and he will say in that bright cloud, God comes to his children in a bright cloud, not a dark cloud. God comes to his born again, his redeemed in a 
a bright cloud, not a dark cloud. The devil comes in a dark cloud, but God comes in a bright cloud and God comes to you in a bright cloud and he says, cheer up, my son has got this. Cheer up, my son will go through the grave and rise again from the dead. Cheer up, my son has got you and my son will keep you and my son will redeem you. Listen to him, listen to him. I sent him to tell you about me and to tell you about eternal life. Listen to him. I thank God for that bright cloud. How about you? And the Bible says when the cloud lifted, there was no one but Jesus. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them saying, don't you tell the vision to any man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. And his disciples asked him, this is Peter, James, and John, saying, why then say the scribes that Elias must first come? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall come first. In other words, Elijah will come in the great tribulation. Elijah will come in Revelation chapter 11. He will come and restore all things. But notice he goes on to say, they knew, but he said, but I say unto you, Elijah shall it's already come. Verse 12, Elijah, but I say unto you that Elisha, Elias rather, Elias has come already, and they knew him not, but they done unto him whatsoever they listeneth. Likewise, whatsoever, likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. And then the disciples understood that they, he had spoke of John the Baptist. So Jesus comes in two comings. In his first coming and his second coming. He comes the first time to redeem us from our sin. Jesus comes the first time to wrap us in a bright cloud of encouragement. He comes the first time to bring great news and good news to mankind. He comes the first time to strip the power from the devil and to bring light and joy to our soul. He comes the first time as the Lord of glory. And when he comes, is what it says in verse uh, chapter 4 of Malachi, verse 5, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet, before the coming of the great. Notice this in two phrases, great and dreadful. Great and dreadful. When Jesus came, it was great. I say when John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, that's great. When Jesus came and was transfigured on Mount uh, transfiguration and the bright cloud overshadowing and God says this is my beloved son that was great when Jesus come and raised the dead and cleansed the leper and healed the sick and, and gave us the word of God and gave us hope and joy and people when Jesus came the first time born of a virgin Mary uh, born in Bethlehem and, and laid in a, in a manger from that stable when Jesus Christ came the first time grew up as the son of God and walked among us and cleansed the leper and healed the sick and done great and mighty things that was great when Jesus Christ said fear not that was great when Jesus Christ come and said neither do I condemn thee go and sin no more that was great 
But when he comes the second time, see, Elijah, John the Baptist announced the coming of the great Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. That was great. That was John the Baptist. But Elijah comes and declares the dreadful coming of the Lord. Verse 5 of Malachi 4. And the dreadful day of the Lord. So Jesus Christ is going to come. And he came the first time to bring us great news. He came the first time to bring us great salvation. And how should we escape if we neglect so great salvation? He came the first time to give us an infusion of hope and joy unspeakable and full of glory. He came the first time to pull back his veil and say, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to go through the tomb. I'm going to come out on the other side like Moses. I'm going to come back like Elijah. I'm going to penetrate the universe. I'm coming back. And when I come back, Elijah, my prophet, will come in that dreadful day, in that dreadful time. I'm coming to judge the world. But first, but first, we live in a great day of grace. But first, we live in a great day of salvation. But first, we live in a great day of receiving Jesus Christ, asking him for mercy. We live in a day of bright clouds. So well, my life's been cloudy. That's the devil. God brings you bright clouds. Now, some people say, well, God sometimes sends us dark clouds. If he does, I guarantee you there's going to be a penetrating silver lining like radiated out of Jesus on Mount Transfiguration. It, God doesn't send darkness to his children. If he does, he sends it just for a moment, and then he's going to light you up. Hello? He's going to light you up. You're going to be in darkness for so long, and then he's going to light you up. If a child of God is ever introduced to dark cloud, God's going to light you up, and he's going to bring a bright cloud in your life, and your eyes are going to be so messed up, you can only see Jesus. Hello? Your eyes are going to be so fixed on Jesus Christ that you're going to only see Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? And when Jesus came down off that mountain and they said, well, why did the scribes, why did the teachers say that Elijah must first come? And Jesus Christ said, he did. John the Baptist in the spirit of Elijah came in that great day and they killed him and they're going to kill me. But truly, Elijah shall come in Revelation chapter 11, and Elijah shall come in that dreadful day of the Lord. This morning I was, I've seen a lot happen in the last two decades in America. It just seemed like we begin to spiral downward, and we've always been spiraling. America's been spiraling down since many presidents most presidents. But it seemed like just in one decade, we saw the marriage of a man and woman questioned. 
and defiled. In one decade, just in the last two decades, we've seen unspeakable sin and people parading their rebellion against God and parading their wickedness against God. Just in the last two decades, I've seen America just turn. Some of them don't even know what sex they are. They want to choose their sex. Instead of God choosing it, we want to, no, we want to be our own God. I want to be a girl. No, I want to be a boy. No, I want to be a monkey. No, I want to be a cat. I want to be a dog. Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I want you to guess what I am. My granddaughter went to college in Illinois. I don't remember the college name, but she went to college. She's not going there now, thank God, but she went Brooklyn. She went to college, play basketball, and get some education. And she said that one of the first times of their classes in the college were men getting up before the class in high heels and dresses, and asking each person in the class, what do you identify as? A male, a female, or something other? Let me tell you, this whole land of America is all messed up. The days of Sodom and Gomorrah have arrived. The time of confusion is here. The time of deception and a great delusion has come. The time in which America now has permitted endangerment to our children, sex trafficking, promoting ungodly acts in our public schools. Drag queens are no more than a bunch of crazy lunatic men pretending to be a woman trying to teach our children, removing sound godly books from the library to replace it with filth and iniquity. I'm telling you, America has went down in a downward spiral and God is returning. And when he returns, he's coming in that dreadful day of the Lord. But until then... I'm going to wrap myself in a bright cloud. Until the Lord returns, I'm just going to wrap myself in a bright cloud. When God sends a bright cloud, I wrap myself in that bright cloud. God will overshadow me with, I love the phrase, overshadow with a bright cloud. How do you do that? Really, how do you do that? You'd have to be God to do that. Well, yeah. How do, you, how do you overshadow someone with a bright cloud? You think overshadowing someone's a dark cloud. But here's how you overshadow someone with a bright cloud. You change their demean, demeanor. You don't change their 
their, their um, atmosphere or where they're at, you change their mind. You change their heart. You change the inward part and the emotions of mankind. The bright cloud changes us from this dark world into a great bright light that Jesus Christ wants to shine into our soul. And I want to wrap myself in that bright cloud. I want to hear the voice of the Lord. And when that bright cloud lifts, I want to see nothing but Jesus. I want to see here no one but Jesus Christ. When that bright cloud begins to ascend back into heaven, I want to see no one but Jesus Christ. And I'm convinced when the rapture of the church takes place and Jesus Christ comes down from heaven, the clap of thunder descending from the clouds of glory to the upper atmosphere, and we're caught up into the bright cloud. We're going to be in focus with Jesus Christ, and the brightness of that cloud will be so overwhelming when we get to heaven, all we'll see is Jesus. All we'll think about is Jesus. All we'll worship is Jesus. All we'll honor is Jesus Christ. All we'll look to is Jesus Christ. Oh yeah, there'll be a mansion. Oh yes, there'll be streets of gold. Oh yes, there'll be walls of jasper. Oh yes, there'll be a river of life. But I'm here to tell you, we're going to be so bug-eyed about Jesus Christ, all that other stuff's just going to be frillies. Amen. Maybe I shouldn't say frillies. Maybe I'll say all that other stuff, but just be thrillies. So I want you to understand that God has allowed you to live to this day for such an hour as this. You're here for such an hour as this. And you need to understand, we have to draw the line. We have, we, we're not going to be ugly. We're not going to be mean. We're not going to be mean-spirited. But we have to draw the line. We have to tell the truth. We have to stand for truth. We love. We care. We appreciate people. Everyone's welcome in our life. We, we're not unkind and not arrogant. But we drew draw the line. God is final authority. The Bible is final authority. Amen? I'll be honest with you. I don't know how the Lord can wait much longer. It's bad. It's bad. It used to be in our big cities. Now it's in our villages. It used to be in the bigger metropolitan cities and the bigger places. Now it's in our little towns and villages. The leaven of evil has rise to a stench in the nostrils of God. And I want you to know that whatever you are facing today, the devil will bring a dark cloud over you to where you can't see your way through. The devil will bring a dark cloud to you to where you can't see which way to go, where you're in despair and you're fearful. But the God of heaven will come down in a great cloud, a bright cloud. 
And he'll bring that bright cloud to you when you see the transfigured Jesus for real. When you see Jesus for who he is, when you know Jesus for who he is, when you see him, his veil of flesh pulled apart, he's the glorious God of the universe, he's the sovereign God, he conquers death, hell, and the grave. When you see him for who he is and when you believe him for who he is and you hear what he says for what he says and you believe it, I'm here to tell you at that moment, the clouds of glory, the bright cloud of glory will overshadow you and your, de your, your desperation, your darkness will disappear. Your, your fears and anxiety will, will vanish away. Your, your agony and your, and your uh, sins will begin to crumble and begin to melt away as you see who Jesus Christ is. Folks, we're living on a planet that God made. We're living here where God put us here. We are made by God Almighty. We are alive because of God Almighty. We're stuck here on a planet that Jesus Christ came and the Father sent him and Jesus came to break the darkness of, of death, hell, and the grave and Jesus came to give us eternal life and it's all real, my friend. It's all real. It's all believable. It's all real. Our God came to rescue us. And if you don't believe that God is real, if you don't believe the Bible is real, if you believe that Jesus is only a historical figure, then get your head out of the sand and look around as the days of Noah were. So shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Look around as the days of Sodom were, so shall it be when the coming of the Son of Man. Look around. Look around. Man's not getting better. Look around. There's no utopia here. Man's not conquered the grave. He never will. Man's not conquered starvation. They won't because there's greedy people that's stingy and cleaving to the, the money. The, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. And it's not because a rich man's a bad person. It's because too many bad people have the money. And if you don't believe that this thing is real, go back two decades and see when, a, when the sanctity of marriage, a man and a woman was still solid. Go back and see when man still had enough intelligence to know whether he was male or female. Go back and see. Look at the confusion. Look at the insanity of the earth today. Just look around you. The Bible's unfolding. If you don't believe that God is real for this sake, look around your neighborhood and look around our schools and our halls of learning and our capitals and the House of Senate and House of Representatives. Look around at the 
perversion in our world and the disharmony. That ought to be enough for you to believe in God. That ought to be enough for you to believe in God. I'm so excited that he's coming. Blessed that he's coming. But you see something on that mountain. There was a shift on that mountain. There was something that triggered on that mountain that God was saying to his disciples, Peter, James, and John, I've got this. It's okay. I've got this covered. I've got this taken care of. It's all right. Please hear me. I wrote this in an article the other day. I haven't put it out for publishing, but I wrote a statement. It's none of my business what you do in your bedroom. It's none of my business what you do in the privacy of your life. But it is God's business. It is God's business. Just saying. This, is, this church ain't changing. We're going to stand for truth. Church ain't standing. See, the devil will send enough disharmony into your family that you'll compromise. The devil will send enough disharmony into your, even in church congregations, that you'll compromise. But we'll never be mean-spirited. Never. But we'll never compromise either. Stand with me. Were you glad you came? I know I've been a little abrasive, but, you know, it just, it just irritates me to see how people are doing my God. It just, it just infuriates me to see how people treat God and how they treat Jesus and how they want to be their own God. They want to be their, live their own way. I believe there's people in this room right now, there's a black cloud over you. There's a dark cloud. That don't mean it's Satan. That don't mean you're bad. It just means the devil has succeeded in putting a dark cloud over you. Maybe it's due to sickness. Maybe it's due to an addiction. Maybe it's due to a loss in the family or a problem in your life. I believe the devil has put a dark cloud over you. And God wants to come to you with a bright cloud today. He wants to overshadow everything that is darkened your path. He wants to brighten up your life. He wants to light up your mind. He wants to light up your spirit. He wants to relieve you of your agony. Because he wants you to hear Jesus. For he truly is the answer for all of our pains and sorrows. Altars open. We want to invite you. Josh is going to sing. We want to invite you today. Come down here to an old-fashioned altar and say, God, I need that bright cloud. I need the bright cloud to scatter the dark clouds. I need you to come. Because I truly believe out of Jesus comes the bright clouds. 
and deliverance. Shoulders open, you come.